My name is Lou Blazer. You're listening to Second Breaks, a show where we talk about thriving at work and in life, no matter if it's our second, third, or fourth act. This program is brought to you by Briefing Notes, a weekly digital newsletter for Gen Xers and late Boomers about working well and living well in our midlife. Check it out and subscribe at thebriefingnotes.com. In our most beloved stories, for me it's Star Wars, The Lord of the Rings, Hunger Games. We look to our favorite characters and see a part of ourselves in them, or a part of them that we aspire to be. They are not only the heroes of or in the stories that we love; they also become some kind of a role model for us. Maybe not all of who they are, but certainly a part of them that we want to emulate for ourselves as well. Think about your favorite character. What is it about Frodo Baggins, for example, or Luke Skywalker that you wish you also had in you? You may not love Katniss Everdeen, but isn't there something about her you wished you were more like too? I have many heroes in fiction stories, and better yet, in real life, people who I admire, real people who I look to for inspiration. Or reminders of what I might like to be able to do, or parts of myself I'd like to improve. Earlier this year, I sat down with five of my heroes, and in the short series, I'm sharing these conversations with you. These conversations happened before COVID-19 entered our collective consciousness. You won't hear any reference to a pandemic. That we weren't yet aware at the time of our recording, and in that regard, these conversations are timeless. They are not colored by current events; rather, they focus on what's true and what matters most. My hope in sharing these conversations is that you'll hear or pick up something that inspires and motivates you, and more importantly, that these chats move you to sit down and have similar chats with your role models and heroes as well. My guest hero today is Jacquette Timmons. I first noticed her while attending a conference in 2016. What caught my attention was her infectious energy and positivity about the topic of her speech, and the genuinely warm interactions she was having off stage. I thought to myself, "Who is this woman? This is one woman I'd like to get to know." I googled her when I got back home. And have been following her online. Thank God for Instagram. Ever since, Jacquette Timmons is a financial behaviorist and the CEO of Sterling Investment Management. She is the author of Financial Intimacy: How to Create a Healthy Relationship with Your Money and Your Mate. She speaks, writes, and coaches about our relationship with money, integrating psychology. Financial management and emotions into the discussion because, of course, money is an emotional topic. She brings decades of experience into her work and has appeared on Good Morning America, CNN, Bloomberg Radio, Women of Power TV, and has been quoted on several journals and blogs. She is a New Yorker and an avid runner. You may just catch her running around Brooklyn in the mornings. And she's definitely one of my heroes. One of those people whose work inspires me. Jacquette Timmons, welcome back to Second Breaks. Thank you for joining me.
Lou, thank you. Thank you for such a warm, warm, warm introduction. I'm like, can I carry her with me? That's so sweet. Thank you. Thank you so much. So the first thing that I want to do, Jacket, is really dive right into this question of passion because, uh, you know, as I observe you do your work, you appear to me to be someone who really loves what you do. You appear to be someone who enjoys what you're doing and you bring passion into your work. There is a common advice out there that says, you know, find your passion, do what you love. And so I was wondering if, you know, how you feel about these statements and also if this is something that came naturally for you or is it something that you had to work on to discover for yourself? Um, for me, it was natural because I've always been fascinated. And by always, I mean, since undergrad, I've been fascinated by this whole notion of um, human behavior in the context of money. So that has just been a part of my you know, DNA, if you will, for a very long time. So with regards to your question around, you know, do what you love, follow your passion, I think it is important to for those elements to be present in whatever you do because you spend a lot of time doing it and how awful would it be to do a job that you just absolutely hate. Although we know a lot of people that do it for a variety of reasons and so no judgment on them. Having said that, I do think that there is some caution that needs to be um, added to the notion of do what you love, follow your passion because you need to be clear around are you doing that as a hobby mm. or are you doing that as a business? Because if you're doing it as a business, then you also need to make sure that whatever it is that you are doing um, in terms of following your passion and doing what you love, that A, there's a market for it, B, that there, you can create a business model around it and that you can price it, whatever it is that, that it is in such a way that you can create a viable, you know, life for yourself, however that is for you. But if your do what you love, live with your passion is not something you can create a business model around. It's not something that people want. It's not something that you can price in such a way that you can live and work comfortably. Then I think it's a, you know, come to Jesus moment where you have to say that that's the thing that you do on the side while you do something else. The uh, statement that is you know, I think the people who make that statement are definitely coming at it with the right intention, right? They want people to feel a sense of joy because, you know, why spend your days doing very joyless things if you can avoid it? But I think the reality is if you can't make a living doing it, then it's not going to be the thing that's going to then bring you the joy. It's not going to be the thing that you still love to do. It's not going to be the thing that fuels your passion. And so you've just got to be really clear and really honest with yourself. Are you, are you uh, mastering a hobby or are you building a business? And just be honest with yourself about which of those two things that you are doing and also what is it that your lifestyle needs? Right, right. So you got lucky then because you said that from, from the get-go, even from when you were studying... You had always been interested in these topics. Yeah, I did get lucky in that I have always been interested in these topics, but um, it has taken me a while to figure out my business model, you know, talking about <laughs> the pot calling the kettle black. Um, because, you know, when I first started my business, what I'm doing is very different than then, back then. So um, while the the goal or the, um, the thing that I was interested in has not changed. The way in which I do it has, 
and me discovering, you know, my own business model that makes this work and my own way of making it financially viable, that has absolutely evolved and changed over time, for sure. When I first met Jaquette, she had already established a name for herself in her field of work. I think sometimes when we meet people who are already successful, or let me speak for myself, when I meet successful people, it's very easy for me to forget that there was a climb there that I may not have seen. There was a beginning, perhaps a moment or two of frustration and disappointment when things didn't quite work out the way they had imagined. I asked Jaquette to share a time when this has happened to her and how she was able to move past it. I started my business in 1995, you know, basically as a springboard from what I had been doing at Bankers Trust, which is now Deutsche Bank, in the private bank, managing money for high net worth individuals. So basically, I went from there to my own firm doing the exact same thing. And four years into it, you know, I kind of hit a wall and I hit a wall from a financial standpoint, quite honestly, because I didn't have as much money under management as I had when I was at Bankers Trust, which then meant that I wasn't earning as much. And I could not figure out either what I was doing wrong that I needed to stop doing or what I wasn't doing that I needed to start doing. And luckily, I had the wisdom to go to seek out the guidance of a coach. Um, And the coach was just like, I don't get it. I don't understand why you're trying to make this happen when you're not paying attention to what's going on over here. And the over here that he was making reference to was the fact that while, yes, I started the firm in 95 and was managing money and, you know, building up my book of business, if you will, in that regard. But on the side, I was doing investment education experiences. And it started off with doing it for a national you know, nonprofit organization. And I kept getting referral after referral. And he and I were having this conversation on the heels of me coming back from doing a a trip for AT&T for their Caribbean based employees. So I, you know, I'm in the Caribbean doing a three day workshop for their Caribbean based employees. I'm having a ball, right? I mean, how can you not have a ball (laughs) working in the morning and you have the whole afternoon to be at the beach? Like what's to not like, right? And yet I did not look at that as a business in my mind. This was the thing that was supplementing the investment management work that I was doing. So the crisis of confidence there was, you know, asking the question, what am I doing wrong? And yet not paying attention to what was already working and right there in front of me. And so the reason why I share that is because I had been doing exactly what I'm doing today all these many years later, but I wasn't not looking at it as a business. I wasn't treating it as a business when you think about, again, business model and sales process and all that, you know, operational efficiencies. I wasn't looking at it like that. I was like, oh, this is just something I love to do. And they want to pay me to do this and do that. Fine. Exactly. I'm really good at being tenacious. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Jaquette may have been lucky in that she ended up working in a field that she's always been passionate about. As she said in the beginning, human behavior in the context of money. But it wasn't like she graduated from college, got a high-paying job at a prestigious company, and climbed her way up the ladder. She made decisions along the way that made for interesting twists and turns, and in so doing, crafted a role for herself that is unique and squarely in her desired space. 
I asked Jaquette how her career goals have changed along the way. You know, I actually don't think my career goals changed. And I know that that may sound really strange and that may sound like, oh, well, God, haven't you evolved? Um, I, w- I, I would say this. I'm not sure my career goals have changed. I think what I've gotten better at doing is articulating my goals, especially given that I worked in a space that today is pretty common, but back then was not. And so I think context is really important. So today, you know, 2020, everybody's talking about relationship with money, right? It's not a new thing. But when you think about when I started talking about it, and when when you think about even when I started thinking about it, but didn't necessarily have the language for it, we're going back to the 80s. Mm-hmm. And so you had either two, you know, pillars or buckets, if you will. You had behavioral finance that was only talked about in an academic standpoint, or you had, you know, your relationship with money that was only talked about from a new age standpoint. And I was actually trying to get it out of those domains and to get it into, you know, everybody's living room so that, A, you could understand that it's not just an an academic exercise. This is something that is playing out in your life all the time. And at the same time, you don't have to be someone, I'm not disparaging anyone that has new age thought, thought processes, but you don't have to be someone who follows new age thinking to embrace the understanding that you indeed have a relationship with money. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I say I don't think the goal has changed, but I just think that I have gotten better at articulating what the goal is. Um, and, th- and that just happens to also correspond with there being more acceptance of it. And then I think the other aspect of it, and I, I touched on this earlier, is just really also getting better at creating a business model that supports the goal and that makes me achieving the goal a viable endeavor. Yeah. And I guess, I, I don't know, and correct me here if I'm wrong, but I guess some, part of it is also just you working on that vision of of combining those conversations and allowing those conversations to happen and hearing from people about where they're getting stuck and you know what about this is so difficult to do allowed you to also refine and continue to fine tune so like how do I actually talk about this thing that will allow them to talk about their thing (laughs) exactly exactly and it's so funny you would say that because one of my friends we were having this conversation around uh, me and my tenacity. And uh, <laughs> he was like, you know, yeah, but you've, uh, you, you stuck with it. You did not yeah. fear from this and look at where you are and look at the reputation that you now have in your industry as a result of that. And, um, you know, I think sometimes I can forget that. I think we all can forget, you know, um, the benefit that comes with sticking with something, especially when it seems to be the opposite of where everybody else is going, if that makes sense. So you said that um, your career goals in the, you know, in the bigger picture may not have necessarily changed, but that the way that you've articulated them uh, have over the years. What about 
the way that you measure your success in life or career, has that evolved? Has that changed over time? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, you know, when I first started, the measurement of success was, well, how much money do you have under management? Because that, you know, was very important. Um, And then when you don't have that as a metric, it then becomes, well, what do you, what do you track and how do you, you know, know if you're doing well? And so then it just really comes down to, well, how much are you making? How many clients are you working with? And all of those kinds of things. And those things absolutely matter. (laughs) Because if you don't track them and if you're not hitting your targets, then you don't have a business. But I also think that in terms of success, for me, it is making sure that I can continue to live my life on my own terms without sacrificing my future. And so what what does that mean? That means making sure that I can run my business the way that I want to run it, but I'm also then making the money that I need to make to not only take care of my current day needs and goals and desires, but my future needs, goals, and desires as well. And I'll I'll never forget this. May he rest in peace. This was the first CPA that I worked with. And this was years ago. Maybe this is like 98, 99. And he was like, you have got to stop mortgaging your life. And what he meant was you have got to stop putting everything into. And this is why I'm such an advocate for making sure that entrepreneurs and small business owners are not giving their businesses everything, including their future. I mean, that seed was really planted back then because his whole notion was you're not making enough. You're making enough to get by, but you're not really making enough. And I didn't see that. And so for me, it is making sure that I can still run my business the way that I want to, make sure I'm addressing my current day needs, wants, and desires, but also that I'm not doing any of that at the sacrifice of what my life might be like in the future. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is not an overstatement to say that the first thing that caught my attention about Jaquette in that crowded conference room so many years ago, was her personality. The warmth with which she engaged with people while she was on and off stage. And as I followed her and observed her from afar, this initial impression only got confirmed. I am not embarrassed to say Jaquette has the personality I wish I have. I asked her if and how she felt her personality plays a role in her career. You know, what's really interesting, it took another coach, (laughs) as you can see, I I believe in working with coaches. Um, It took another coach to actually help me to embrace who I am naturally and to understand that that was an asset. Ah. Because I, you know, I grew up, you know, in a time on Wall Street where um, the idea of bringing a I'm a, I'm a warm person and, and I am the kind of person that wants to make sure that everybody feels heard. Right. So I'm the one that's like, if you think about back to the playground, I'm the one that's like, do you want to be my friend? Do you yes. need a friend? <laughs> I can totally see that. Right. Um, but I think that in this industry, at least the way it used to be in the eighties and nineties, that that wasn't something that was really kind of advocated or embraced. And I think I tried to play that down. Ah. And he was just like, no, that is your asset. And so I'm not going to say I leveraged it, 
so much as I just allowed myself to be who I am. And I just got to the point where I, I, I felt more confident and comfortable in my skin so that if it didn't, if, if it meant that you and I didn't vibe, cool, we don't vibe. Move right. on to somebody else. I'm not your person. I'm going to find my people. And I think that's what it came down to, like recognizing that there are people out there who want what I bring to the table and all of it, you know, not only the technical knowledge, but also perspective and the personality that goes with. And it's my job to find them. What trail do you want to leave? I would like to be remembered as the person who, wherever she was, wherever she came into contact with someone, whether it was in person or, or online, um, created a space where you felt heard. And I think that that is so important, especially in this current climate. I think being heard is important. And in a way, I think that that's also me continuing a legacy of my mother's. And one of the things that she used to say, which was to make sure that you were always dancing to your own beat. Ah. And I think, you know, when you create, when you create the space for other people to be heard, then you create the space for them to be comfortable in their own skin and you create the space for them to dance to their own beat and let it know, let it be known that whatever your difference is, it's all good. And, you know, let's just all play. <laughs> so that's what I would want it to be. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Lots of things have happened since I sat down with Jaquette in February 2020. I caught up with her recently about what she's looking forward to the most in 2021. To say that 2020 brought with it many surprises would be a tremendous understatement. For me, though, it brought also some really good surprises. So, for example, I discovered a new business vertical, a new place to offer my pricing workshops, and that is inside the masterminds of other coaches. And that has just been awesome. Being able to go into other spaces and to share my pricing approach and to get more people to embrace the idea that pricing is not just about the numbers, that it is a combination of looking at the financial, the emotional, and the personal. And to do that, you need to look at your relationship with money, with yourself, with your business, and with your people. I'm having a blast doing that. And I want to double down and do even more of that in 2021. And it's also just really made me more excited about focusing even more on the one-on-one coaching that I do with entrepreneurs and small business owners, either on their personal finances, but especially when it comes to bridging and combining business coaching with personal finances, because I have a particular thought process that says one of the best business decisions that you can make is to make sure that, you know, your metrics of how successful your business is, whether you're measuring that in terms of profitability or cash flow, that that also is showing up and having a positive impact on the health of your personal finances too. So I'm really looking forward to doubling down on both of those in 2021. 
And then on a personal front, and I don't really talk about this um, outside of with really, really close friends, I'm looking forward to dating again. You know, some people know my story and they know that, you know, I lost my mom who I was really, really close with in uh, 2014. And then soon after that, the man I was with for almost five years, he and I broke up. And then after that, sadly, he died. So in a short period of time, I experienced some really profound losses. And all I can say is that I was under a fog of grief for a very long time. Um, and now I'm not. And, and I feel lighter and I feel ready. I feel ready for new love. And I'm excited about that. So that's something else that I'm looking forward to in 2021. You can follow Jaquette on Instagram at Jaquette M. Timmons. And you can find out more about her work at jaquettetimmons.com. You'll find those links and the highlights of this episode at secondbreaks.com forward slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or like listening to this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you'd tell your friends about it. It helps tremendously when you spread the word about the show and I would be so grateful for your help. Second Breaks is brought to you by Briefing Notes a weekly digital newsletter for Gen Xers, Generation Jones, late bloomers, midlifers, interested in thriving at work and in life. Visit thebriefingnotes.com to subscribe for free and get the next edition in your inbox. Okie dokie, I'll be back next week with a conversation with another hero of mine who happens to also be a dear friend, Graham Bell, CEO of World of Books. Until then, stay safe, stay sane, and keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans. Um, I know you didn't know this, uh, but I am one of your biggest fans. I, I, you. I, you are my hero. You're, I consider you Aww. my hero from afar, and I'm just so glad that through the interwebs, I can follow someone, you know, like you from afar and sort of like you know, follow along your footsteps. And thank you for coming to the show and sharing Oh my God, thank you for having me. This has been a delight. And if I ever find myself in Florida, I am knocking on your door. You bet. <laughs> <laughs>